and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm your host, Crisis with a K, and I am joined here by three of my friends who are around the world from me, Fariha, Harry, and Tyler. And we're together because we really like reading X-Men together, and we read all the X-Men books every week. And this week, we have two to read from the release date of the 31st of March, 2021. They are X-Men number 19 and X-Men Legends number two. Before we dig into those books, I always like to give a fair warning that this will be a spoiler-filled discussion. We're going to dissect the books themselves, as well as connect them to Marvel's history and continuity. So it's kind of unavoidable that we're going to talk about the history and the current state of the Marvel Universe, and that has been your fair warning. Today, we're going to ask some questions based on the books, as we always do. It might reveal itself to you as we go through the questions. <laughs> so we're going to start with Tyler. And Tyler, my question for you is about exploring a new place. Do you have a story mm-hmm. about kind of finding your way somewhere, whether that's a whole city or just a place that you've gone on a hike or something like that? When I first started working uh, in Singapore, I mean, all my friends you know, we are all working, right? So it was. it is really difficult to coordinate um, a holiday or a longer period of time where we can all take, um, you know, leave and then just go on vacation. So what I do is typically I just book myself a vacation and I'll just jet off by myself. And the one of the most memorable one is that I spent two weeks in New Zealand, South Island by myself no planning ahead i I, fr- I flew to christchurch and for the very f- after i you know check into my bed and breakfast i spent i think about half a day at the tourist information and the lady there was so nice to me she booked every single thing for me all the way i told her said this is my plan and she said oh okay so for this place you need to take a bus let me check Okay, the bus is from is at this time to this time. She calls, she give I gave her my credit card, she booked it for me. Then the, she says, Oh, then you gotta live somewhere. Okay, these are the options. She calls and she booked a place for me for the number of required days. And then from this point to this point, she says, Oh, then you gotta take a train. And then she booked the whole thing for me. So she, she planned the entire trip for me in half a day. That's you had like a <laughs> guardian angel on your trip dang yeah no but but the south island of new zealand i think the main uh industry is tourism so i think they they are very very um well organized in that sense so that but one tourist information booked every single thing in every part of south island so that that was really amazing and the other thing too is people i think take for granted the how internet connected everything is in the States and also traveling in Europe. But in Mm. New Zealand, it's like, yeah, places, people have Airbnb and places have websites and stuff. But I find that there's just a lot more still done to this day, because Tyler hasn't been here for several years now, um, Mm -hmm. that it's very just like pick up the phone or I know the person that works there. It's a very small place, you know? And so I find that even though as an international traveler, you might kind of assume you can book it all on the internet. Actually talking to the person at the tourist lodge who has all the connections, they can probably put it together for you in like 10 minutes. And that's just kind of yeah. how New Zealand is. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't any time recent for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was like... Tyler was here before the internet existed, actually. <laughs> no. No, but it was... It, it was it just... in New Zealand anyway. It was 2000... I think it was 2002. Damn. So fresh off oh, the Hobbit, right excited, fresh the off the Lord Hobbit of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Excited. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Harry, uh, my question for you is, do you have a question? Uh, do you have a story about um, the first time you kind of joined or engaged with something kind of your, your first time to be a part of a new thing? Yeah. So in college, um, I went to school in Orlando and there's a lot of uh, performative and theatrical bents and cliques and groups. And uh, I actually got a job dressing up as superheroes and cartoon characters for uh, parties. So I played Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Cats America and Spider-Man, Iron Man. And uh, I have no, believe it or not, I have no theater background or any kind of, at the time, performing bone in my body. So entering this like half troop, half like work thing was crazy because I had to figure out all the voices for each character's mentalities. Um, the rookie mistake I made was one Batman party where I did the Christian Bale voice. You never do that. You go, you go Kevin Conroy. <laughs> Kevin Conroy is much more like Because if you do Christian Bale for the kids, I'm not wearing hockey pads. All the kids. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Happy oh. birthday, Trevor. And it's like, what did you say? <laughs> uh, and it was a lot of fun, but it was like, it was just like I, I, everyone else had had this all figured out. They've been doing it in high school and in college and they, they were doing it like professionally. And for me, I'm just taking all my comics knowledge and movie knowledge and just doing my best. Um, and uh, there was one time they had me be uh, the guy from Frozen, Kristoff. Um, and I have never seen Frozen at the time. And I was wickedly <laughs> hung over when they wanted me to play Kristoff. So I'm wearing like this turtleneck and this super heavy costume, like talking with kids and like Orlando heat, uh, dehydrated. And I don't think I did a great job, but eventually I figured it out. Um, so I was, I'll never forget those opening that's months. That's what Christoph is, by the way. Okay, that's what he does. He's hungover and dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty much his. I need to watch Frozen. Uh, but yeah, I'll never forget just like trying to like figure out like how to become different personalities and energies uh, for like those first few months. Um, it, was, it was a great job, though. I really enjoyed it. To complete the cycle, Freya, I come to you with a question about quitting or leaving something. Do you have a good story about something coming to an end? Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, quitting Bangladesh, my mm. birth country. You know, I just decided that that wasn't for me. Like, you know, it just, I'm, I'm respectful of the culture and everything over there. But I realized that I was very much like an odd duck in that setting. So even though when I moved away uh, and went to uh, university in Canada, uh, one thing I've seen that, you know, I mean, like-minded people all, like if people of the same background tries to stick together and stuff like that. And one of the mm. things I, I initially wanted to do is like, maybe I want to meet like other people from Southeast Asian region and then see how it is. Then I realized, no, I just have a fundamental problem with the way some of the way the people think. And it doesn't necessarily change mm. uh, from region to region. And I just decided to like, just straight up quit and hang out with a bunch of Middle Eastern people instead. So that's kind of how it went. <laughs> it kind of, it, it makes me think a little bit about m my complicated relationship with kind of the very South Philly Italian American culture, which I take a lot of cultural things from because that's how I was brought up. But I have like no interest in engaging with that now. And it's kind of like that balance <laughs> of like, yeah, I still want to cook the food and I still want to make the jokes or whatever, but like, I don't actually want to be connected with that at all like don't say that i'm that don't include me in that i don't want to go to the those cultural events anymore um because you know i don't i'm an odd duck in that situation much like you described in yours 
All right, folks, X-Men 19. Let's not go too deep into thematic stuff, just reaction, like the way you felt when you turned the last page. And then we have so much to dig into. So starting with Tyler, how did you feel? Um, I think this is the third best um, X-Men issue that Hickman has had penned so far. Um, only two issues came to mind that surpassed this. Um, if I'm going to nitpick on this issue, I would say the art is not as strong as it could have been. Um, but, it, but that is really, really being nitpicky. Um, I'm going to give this a 4.9 Hickman timeline out of 5. <laughs> Harry, how did it make you feel when you closed the final page? Uh, delighted. This is easily the best X-Men issue that Hickman's written. This is one of the best issues of this entire run. Um, I've been kind of lukewarm on Hickman's X-Men personal series that he's been writing, mm -hmm. which is crazy because I usually love this guy. I think I he's one of my favorite uh, writers. And this is the first issue where I was like, right, that's where, where has this guy been with this <laughs> amount of detail and emotion and character and marrying, you know, great character beats with the data pages in a way that actually complement one another instead of feeling kind of disparate from each other. Um, I, I, I love this issue. It's like a just a straight up five out of five for me all right freeha when you shut the issue how did you feel very sad because yeah. of the what happened in it like you know because of the content and it was very like it's a very high concept idea of like i mean i know we're going to talk about like all the things that happened in there but i think the my key takeaway was what resurrection does like this kind of came brought together so hard like we thought mm -hmm. that i thought that x-force was doing it better but then i realized that uh, that was child's play that was like <laughs> thinking so pedestrian and just low level this is what resurrection protocol means and how it is not what it seems and everything like you know there's like so much about it uh i agree with like tyler that this is the third best issue uh issue six and seven comes to mind like you know six is always going to be my top uh, yeah. but the thing is in terms of arc this is easily the best arc in hickman era post hawksbox mm -hmm. for me um i do have problem with the art there's one plate page laura looked horrible and but otherwise i would say that it's the story content wise five out of five i uh, actually read it much earlier than I usually did on the release take because I saw the buzz amassing and I was like, all right, let's get into it. You know, if I'm going to hate it, let's just hate it early. <laughs> I, uh, I was just stunned by this. I mean, I was, I was speechless when I closed the page. It took 10 minutes of staring into the blank Twitter square to decide to what to even say about it. I think it's a masterpiece of Hickman. I think there are, we could dig into story issues with it, art issues mm -hmm. with it, but this is the thing that made me love him. I mean, let's not forget that I do and did love Hickman. I just don't always love what he does at Marvel. This is the thing that I love. This playing with huge scope, playing with different narrative devices, playing with um, emotional beats in a sort of oblique way that lets you feel the emotion instead of telling you what the emotion is, mm -hmm. and uh, and not using repetition. I don't think he's as clever with repetition as he maybe uh, believes himself to be or the editors do. There are a couple moments in this that do call back to repetitive beats and framing things similar to lead to other things, but it doesn't do that straight up repeating of stuff, which has been so thematic in his run so far. And when I got to the end, I just, I was speechless. I mean, it really made me feel something deep and really 
um, worry about the X-Men and their place in this world right now. And I think that's what you shoot for with a comic. I also, even though I have little nitpicks for it, I, I think I would say that it's perfect. You know, uh, nitpicks are part of what made it what it is to make me feel the way that it is. So I don't want to change anything about it. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, un- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, no, there's just a really good feeling you can get at the end of some issues. We were just like, I feel like I read something special. And uh, well, for the first time, that's what I got from this. And, and Peter, you know, have stated, you know, throughout all our recording that he prefers pox over hawks. And yes. this is more pox it's than pox anything. Baby, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because pox i i mean i think we could talk about that as sort of the first theme before we get Mm -hmm. into all the phases we're going to tackle each phase which i i call each data page here one of the phases right is that it's playing with the idea of a timeline a sequence of events and it's doing this really interesting thing where hickman tells us everything that will happen in the sequence and then he shows us the pages that come after each one don't cover every plot beat but they kind of illustrate Mm -hmm. the why of the plot beat and every time he very carefully leaves out at least one of the plot beats in his retelling which is a very hickman sort of thing which is this rashomon effect we always talk about with Mm -hmm. him of like well that that thing we're going to leave as a mystery and maybe different people might have gotten different things from it later that to me is what makes it poxy not that it's like future technology whatever it's this playing with the fracturing of a narrative that 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 to me and and giving us the information with one hand but then obscuring some of it with the other hand for you but no but that's what i'm saying though like one of the thing i felt like the reason i was so like uh whatever in pox though is like i felt like there was all this information was given 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 and we were not seeing the consequences of that Mm. right away and Mm -hmm. we were had to wait for it then you were like oh okay i guess by then you forgot a lot of other things unless you were rereading it but over here that wasn't necessarily the issue like you know the it was the information was given this was happening you saw it you understood what it meant and you moved on i think that's something that was missing in pox but present here and you don't just see it you you feel it like yeah. having those data pages show you what happens but then the art makes you care and like evokes this mood of like mm-hmm dread and then hope all at the same time it's like they're they're speaking to each other in such a cool way right uh, sorry I'm, I'm gonna be very yeah. positive this issue <laughs> um no i mean i completely agree i mean <laughs> with with what you guys said and um and also i think um there is this 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 thing about hickman doing reputation i feel like it is because of the COVID thing that messed up his schedule yeah, and he's just too. writing fillers and he's <laughs> not good at writing fillers so he's like just oh let's just repeat this and i'm gonna add a bit here add a bit there so yeah um, it, it I always mean, feels like an overworked writer trying to kind of buy time a little bit that's always the impression i yeah. get from that repetition in this mm-hmm. series especially all his filler issues feels like he wrote them while taking a dump literally <laughs> like it's 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 literally it does like just go read like x-men 17 no, like you know it was know. like a couple of months it ago wasn't good. and we're like yeah it's it's yeah he, he can no, read, it wasn't like, good s- at all yeah he, he can write that while taking a dump 
Yeah. Well, I also think back to five, which was the beginning of this, which w- it was before we were doing the show, but five mm. it just had so many of those pages of basically like this trio of X-Men riding the elevator down to the vault or the person in the vault <laughs> kind of looking at that there's something happening. And at the time, people wanted to make it out to be so significant. But now that we've got 500 more years of material, people kind of assume that it would make it more significant. It feels less significant to me. I feel like it this... It totally does. Like... I would have rather have skipped everything we got in that last issue um, in 18 and just mm-hmm. had this been, been, be like double length, you know? But, that, but you know, so again, you can't change what got you to the present. Maybe the yeah. reason we love this so much is because we experienced those other issues the way that they were. <laughs> That's actually the side I'm on. I actually think this makes 18 read a little better, not for terms mm-hmm. of like plot consequence, but for getting into Sync's voice and head and kind of planting the seeds for these connections. Cause that's what I love about this issue is that, you know, it, it has big plot beats, but a lot of it is just about these three characters and seeing them kind of grow and change. And that's like such a more personal, interesting focus. So I think we did need 18. Uh, no, is what I'm we, saying there. Yeah, we yeah. do because the, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a lot ahead, the very last page will not work if we do not have page five of last issue. Yeah. Because right, there is some mirroring and yeah, some repetition. There's a mirroring. But, yeah. but this matters. This has like impact. No. It's an yep. incredible Agreed. final page. Yeah. Well, let's start going sequentially through this. So there's four phases here, and I'm calling the first phase into the city. So we're fresh off of the conflict in 18. Mm. The team um, almost was immolated by this, you know, uh, explosion by one of the children of the vault, but they make it away and they're assuming the children of the vault think they're dead. So we get a little bit of a preamble here. The entire narration of the issue is in Sync's voice, but after it establishes that they survived the blast, then we go to the first one of these data pages to start this rhythm of data page and then illustration. And the thing that we learn here is um, that the first 50 years were the longest, which seems to indicate that this is the first 50 years that we're experiencing Mm -hmm. here. And this is just them figuring out how to live in the vault. They set up this command and control area in one of the quadrants of the outer ring. They figure out they cannot get messages outside. They cannot breach the temporal bubble, even though they have this forge gadget. Uh, And that something about Darwin's adaptations implies that the their time is definitely moving differently from the outside. So that's kind of the stated as facts, taken as fact stuff. Then things get a little bit interesting. Uh, the couple of things I want to pull out here is time debt inversion. They never, I don't think they ever explain what that means. And then no. there's this <laughs> concept of that the children of the vault are on two month cycles, two months on, two months off. And that the X-Men are, during the season of night, they haunted the dreams of the sleeping mm-hmm. children. And this goes on for 24 months before mm-hmm. they uh, have mapped all the quadrants and locate the city brain. So before we get to the end of this phase, which is a mutant incursion and in detected, what do you think about this initial discovery phase, Tyler? I mean, the the time time that inversion, right? Um, I mean, just judging by the way it's named, uh, a debt is something that you owe and um, you know, so instead of owing time, they are earning time because oh. they are inside the time bubble and they are moving faster than what is happening outside. So they are gaining time in that sense. Because, you know, um, in issue five, Cyclops says, oh, it has been about three months or something since they went into the vault. And how long is that? That is 500 plus 530 something years. So, so they are earning time. It, it's a time debt inversion. So instead of losing time, they are in mm. in the time bubble. They are gaining time. 
with respect to what's happening outside. So I think that is all it meant. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> and also, the other thing I kind of noted is that why did they skip um, the fourth sector, the fourth quadrant? They mapped one, two, three, decided to bypass four and go into the city, in, in, into the inner city. So Yeah, I feel like the I, implication I, yeah. was that there was something dangerous there. I don't know. Harry, what did you think? Mm. Well, I just, you know, speaking more broadly, I like how there are so many questions and kind of unfilled little avenues and corners that are set up by the data pages and, and the art. And they, it, it kind of, you know it's not like it's sloppy, but it just gives it this feeling of being so broad and so much time. And there's been so much that happened that we can't even get to all of it, but these are just the highlights that, you know, you can connect mm -hmm. to emotionally. So it's the kind of thing where like the, the lack of answers didn't frustrate me. I actually think mm -hmm. it, it added to this feeling yeah. of just of endlessness that they're, that they're living through. Completely. Um, and the only other thing is just, it's not really like a story point, but just, just the line during their season of night, we haunted the dreams of sleeping children. That That's an, that's an incredible line. children too, right? Uh, it's just such like, it just, it's just a great Hickman line. It just adds mm -hmm. like this feeling of dread. It's it just, it's so good. Freeha, what did you think about this first phase? So the thing is like, I think the vault is probably one of the scariest thing I've ever seen, like a concept wise, like, you know, it just like in impenetrable. And when you go in there, there's no way out. And it just like nonstop nightmare in there. Um, so I think from that point of view, I was kind of like, really like, ugh, like always kind of very scared. Like my heart was pumping fast as I was reading through them. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things, like two things pointed out, like, when I read Time Death, I mostly understood it as like they're trying to outrun time, but time will come to get the debt from them eventually. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, but that it's, it's like. Inversion. I, I understand. So I, I, the inversion part kind of threw me off. I'm like, I oh, don't okay. know what that means. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I, but I was thinking that the time depth means that they are trying to trick time, but time is one thing that will not forget that that they it will come to to come to roost you know now obviously mm -hmm. when you think about oh they have resurrection protocol so what does that mean you know for them because it's not like they're just not the regular people who are just have a finite mm -hmm. number of time they can just be resurrected again and again but what does that mean for them so i think that's an interesting concept that's not necessarily you know, I am thinking that it's probably going to be explored in X-Men 34 or X-Men 35 or something <laughs> down the line. Um, and so that's what I was kind of going at it. But the other question I had, those are these timeline written by the vault? It's mm. Is it created by the vault from Darwin's brain later on? Or... I, f I feel like it is a reconstruct because those yeah. da these data pages are all Krakoan. So oh. they are a reconstruct of Sync's memory. Okay. I think they're the after action report. I, I did yeah. have that thought for you at one point when it kind of skips over when Dar Darwin was captured and we hadn't read the full issue yet. And I was like, oh, right. it must be gleaned from Darwin. And then they don't know. But but then it kind of made sense at the end, like, oh, it's actually Sync's recollection because he doesn't know what happened to Darwin mm -hmm. in that time. So as we discussed time debt inversion, I think I came to a new conclusion, which is that... Mm. When the X-Men are on the outside and the Children of the Vault are in the inside, Children of the Vault ac 
accumulate evolution so quickly that they are coming out before the X-Men can even prepare, right? So the X-Men have a time debt because they can't evolve as quickly as the Children of the Vault. But that has been inverted now because the X-Men are on the inside and they discovered that the Children of the Vault actually have really lengthy incubation. They have whole months that they're dormant. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like the idea that the X-Men now have the upper hand because they live their life fully and they're having more time to plan and to act and to evolve, especially given Darwin's powers, um, while the Children of the Vault are slower. So they've inverted the time debt advantage that the Children of the Vault usually have on the X-Men. Am I saying the same thing Tyler said? I can't even tell anymore. No, I mean, not really, because <laughs> I'm I'm comparing to re- inside the Vault and outside the Vault. You are comparing the mutants and the children yes. inside the They've vault. They've inverted so the time that advantage. Yeah. That, okay, well, what, yeah. four, three, at least two very good theories. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of other things to pull out here. Actually, before I do, I agree with Freya. You know, Marvel has a few of these time bubble situations. There's the world from Morrison's new X-Men. There's um, the Captain America by Remender. I think that's different than the world, right? He no, that's somewhere. different because no. that's kind of a timeline. My point yeah. is that there's many of these <laughs> things at Marvel, but this feels the most sinister and scary to me as well Mm -hmm. because the whole as they remark at the beginning the vault is a self-healing world it's the only one of these worlds where everything is in concert with each other and some of these Mm -hmm. other worlds we see things are evolving things are fighting things are warring there's evolution happening the world is a system that all is working itself together in concert and we have these three foreign bodies they're a virus in the system and it's like is the system going to work to locate them everything there is connected and wants them to be healed, i.e. exposed, removed, or or used to the better of the system. That, to me, is what's so creepy about this compared to all those other time bubbles, which are fine, good stories, but not as creepy as this for me. So and there's... Oh, Freya? Then, no, no, I was just saying, and Marvel also have time variance authority. Like, they, they are always coming after anyone who is messing with time. So I don't know whether this kind of connects them somehow as well. It's like... We're coming for you. Like, they do. They just always shows up. Anyone who does any kind of ta- crime against time, they're yeah. like, we're here. What did we you do? We gotcha. We gotcha. <laughs> like, you know, what did you do? So, yeah, it just fucked no, but But, like, imagine you're a human on Krakoa. Scary. I mean, it's going to be the same feeling that the mutants have inside the vaults, right? No. <laughs> well, I mean, no. Krakoa, it's, it's kind of, they party we, have, we have immigrant chat a lot. And like, if you're yeah. a human on Krakoa, it's a whole system you can't engage with. It's like, if you go to a country, exactly. you know, I, I hear that Estonia is one of the countries that is the most advanced in, in terms of like digital citizenship and everybody having a card that like, you mm. can just swipe the card and do your taxes and it's got your driver's license and it does everything. And it's not like in a big brother way. People actually love it. It's really evolved in terms of mm. data. So imagine like going to Estonia and seeing all these people swiping their cards to do stuff. I don't know if that's how it really is because I've never been to Estonia uh, and being like I can't do any of this and so imagine now you know being on Krakoa and being like the the bagel tree won't drop any fresh bagels for me I can't go in the gate from <laughs> yeah. one side of the <laughs> island to the other you know like I, there, there's probably so many natural features of Krakoa that don't engage you when you're a human and it's kind of this it is yeah. I think really similar here there's things in here that don't engage their biology what are they eating well, I want to pull one more thing out from phase one and then we'll move on. So as they're mapping the vault, they find these cradles of growth that have this two month on, two month off 
Period. And I mean, it's visually incredibly similar to the Krakoan. Yeah. They, they comment on it, but just to see it with all these red bulbs with people inside them, it just looks like the, the eggs in Krakoa. And they, at some point, encounter a uh, teleporter, Horadar, and they preserve his DNA in a stasis pod so Sync can continue to access it. This is mm -hmm. one of those things that we're told, but we do not see. And this continues in the data pages. Sync kind of grabs a couple of people's DNA to mm -hmm. replicate it later. Uh, it seems kind of significant to me because isn't that kind of what's happening in X-Force? Well, uh, Sinister, right? Yeah, isn't I mean... Isn't it kind of like Sinister doing it? You no, but the not, not, it so not, often <laughs> happens to mutants is kind of my point like so yeah. often we see this plot point used against mutants where they're being yeah. captured and they're being used and here's mutants using kind of a tool of the oppressor in a way on the children of the vault i look at it more as just Burn like them down yeah like <laughs> no holds barred like we are going yeah. to do anything to survive in this haunted mm -hmm. house kind yes. of place like yeah. it just shows the the starkness of the conflict I mean, it's not just the other thing is also it's not just the visual um similarity of um the uh Crache to yeah. um Abra Magna. So I mean, there is also the talk about the brain of the city, right? So I I I mean, I for me, I think the equivalent would be the Krakoa's brain because you know Krakoa is living, right? And you mm -hmm, can yeah. communicate with Krakoa, and then um I mean the 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 thing that I cannot sort of um there is no equivalence would be the um the power notes of the city i mean i briefly thought about krakowin gates but um that doesn't really map um exactly they're still incredible they're, they're framed more similar than not to krakowa in this which is like yeah. you know i think very much the point so yeah. uh, one thing I did wanted to ask though, and I think now is probably a good time to ask this question. Like, if the story was from told from the point of view of the children, right? You would think that these people are just straight up villains, right? Yeah. Yes. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like they, yeah, yeah, they would be like straight up villains. So, yeah, because they invaded the the city, they started killing them, and they they were like like trying to. To, to to stop them. And to me, to, but to me, this yeah. is actually, this is bad, significantly better mutant story to tell. It's like when they're going up against someone who is better than them versus when they have to punch stupid, racist, <laughs> dirtbag humans who have no power and somehow they can up them. It's like, F that nonsense. I absolutely <laughs> hate that. But this is something I like. I'm like, yeah, even though they're the human in this scenario, go burn them. Like, kill them all. So, <laughs> just away. wanted to bring that. We're going to move on to phase two now, the second data page, which I am calling myself engagement. Because it has to do with them... Finally, they've been sneaking into the cradle and they've discovered over time that there's one child of the vault that is awake when the others are asleep, Madre. And they uh, they confirmed the vault technology is actually very similar to Krakoa. And in mm -hmm. one of these discovery missions, they're detected. And as part of that detection, in order to again try to throw the children of the vault off, they leave behind Darwin's arm. Uh, which I, you know, in the, I personally would have left Sink's arm. I, I don't know. It's under pressure. You don't really have a lot of time to decide whose arm yeah. to slice off. So they left Darwin's arm. And this turns into a big problem. 
in yeah. this uh, tactical moment, though, they um, they discover some things, or through time, they discover that there's different child classes. They discover that there's an evolutionary plan. They discover that there's a vault shield that's not just the chronal shield, but also a shield that's preventing them from going through. And if they go through, it's going to make them lose their mut mutant ability. And so, um, but while they're discovering all these things, the children now know they're there. And so finally, they have a breakup, which we do not get to see really mm -hmm. very much of here. They eventually come back together. And when they come back together, that is when Darwin is captured. There's a lot in here, but yeah. uh, so feel free to tackle any of it, starting with Tyler. I mean, that's the, the one thing that I noted was the fracturing part as well. Yeah. Like, um, what happened? Why did Wolverine uh, hunt alone? Why is Sync, um, you know, trying to finish the construction of the stasis alone? And, you know, Darwin evolves, of course, um, because he's being isolated. He's by himself. Um, what happened? And the thing is, because we are dealing with like 500 plus years of memories, did Sync forget or, I mean, forget because of such a the long time? Or did he forget intentionally because it is painful? Because, you know, because because he, because he's isolated by himself. Um, so, I mean, we don't get the answer to that. But um, I thought it was something that, that is kind of planted there. Um, there are things there, I think, um, which I suspect will come back to the, you know, um, um, what was the term that we used, the narrators? Um, Unreliable, no. yeah, the un unreliability of the of the narrator. Um, even though this is memory, but even memory can be um, slightly different from what actually happened because you remember things that are at the extreme, but not hmm. in the middle. So you remember the good stuff very clearly. You kind of remember the bad stuff clearly, but um, but like the the very mundane stuff, you don't. I mean, it, it kind of just flows into one another so um uh, yeah i mean this this part i thought the really um enjoyable part is to see um at least for me the older um <laughs> laura sink and um you know <laughs> and um the the uh oh i forgot his name darwin darwin <laughs> mm. older laura gives me major free energy in that one panel <laughs> No. <laughs> no, don't say that. That's the I mean, one that's the panel hair... you didn't like. I love it with the gray streak in <laughs> the air and the yeah, face. She looks great. Yeah. She no, looks like she's gonna Nick... just totally murder somebody. No, Nick Down is fine, but her face. Well, I was not can't draw that's faces. Not a... I don't know why yeah, they, like, they should just have somebody else come in and draw all the faces after he does the rest of the issue. Anyway, I can draw safe well, just wait, fine. Hold on. <laughs> does, does does she not remind you of um uh uh Anna Parkin in, 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 in X Men oh, yeah. movie? Rogue. Yeah, a little bit. With the Just hair because of how limp her white streak is compared to Rogue's yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, it actually reminded me more as Velvet by Aid Brubaker. Yes, ah, it looks a yes. lot like Velvet. It's, it's, like, it's exactly Absolutely. like Velvet. Yeah, but then I was like, oh, that doesn't, like, it doesn't look like Laura will grow up to look like that. That to me. I mean, it looks badass, no doubt. But it's, I'm like, ah, oh, the face. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> if I did it, I just want somebody to go through with a little eraser and just take off that line he puts on every single chin. It makes me uh, crazy. All right, uh, Harry. Yeah. 
art. Let's put that to, put that aside for a second. What <laughs> what do you want to pull out from this phase two of engagement? I just think like it's interesting where they start to become more disparate, and you kind of see more plot kind of developing. But like the part I really liked on the data page is um, Wolverine and Sink uh, endure and endure together, which is like I feel like that's kind of like being a very subtle, understated way of showing like how these two are starting to grow closer and kind of carry on and what have you. And I think it's like just an interesting way to have, you know, that plot point get developed and then have the art just kind of get more of the emotion across. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it, there's also a lot of uneasiness when they all get separated when, when Darwin disappears. Cause it's like, you know, it, it, something sinister is happening. Something bad is going on. And uh, I was just really invested in the drama of the moment. Well, and I want to make clear that the, they uh, come apart before they lose Darwin, right? They, they hunt mm-hmm. sep- just for people listening and following along. Oh, they yeah, separate yeah. and all do their own thing. Wolverine hunts, D- Sink finishes the stasis, Darwin evolves. Then they come together. Then Darwin, they lose Darwin and Wolverine and Sink is by himself. And then eventually Sink and Wolverine come back together. So Freya, anything else that you want to pull out of phase two before we go into that third phase? phase which i which i would call the isolation phase um i think that the couple of things is like it's kind of follows the narrative of like the team building stages so you form you storm then you norm then you perform so you know it's kind of so i feel like that's a a business thing thing. people have never heard of it yeah i'm not i don't making it it up but it's a thing i know yeah it's it's a it's a thing and to be honest a lot of time you'll see it happens even when we started x of swords like you know when we started doing this we like there was a stages of that that you can see so i feel like they were because a lot of things were not going right they just kind of like slide it down to kind of like you know having a having a storming and that's why they probably you know broke up and i think the reason it's not in there it's i i thought that it was probably because synth uh was the cause and that's why he didn't want people to know about that um the other thing i want to say though is that that there is this one um one page where they show the children evolving like you know it started off with one and then second but the one right above that that whole uh eye thingy that is like the same exact design from basilisk when scott was in age of x it's the same Uh. same mask so i was like Oh, like it's the same shape. It's not the same yeah. color. I'm like, oh, what is that? What is Scott doing there? Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh no, that's not him. Well, so, that's, it's yeah. also very visually parallel to the way they do Krakoa's face. Not the same mm-hmm. design, but there's yeah. def- there's a but lot of this... visual callbacks in Correct. this. Correct. Yeah. I right. mean, for me, for me, I think the my nitpicking part is actually this page, because I feel like the first gen, second gen, and third gen, um, you know, except for Serafina. The the other three and 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 the big guy beside her, um, the other three didn't really change too much. I mean, they changed in color. Yeah, the guy with the like with the flame head just changed the costume, <laughs> and the head becomes smaller. So so this is the nitpicking part of me that I think like maybe a more. In, uh, I don't know whether this is specified by Hickman, you know, but um, you know, but I was hoping like you know you see a little bit more drastic changes when they upgrade the children from um, first gen to third gen. And it actually looks like more like a fashion change because the season change. It doesn't look like there was an actual <laughs> upgrade Default. because the thing yeah, is, yeah, no. because you don't see their power usage. You don't see that. And I'm like, 
okay, I guess you were like, well, yeah. we're gonna tie, we're gonna have our hair tied, change a hairstyle. Because, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna change our hairstyle. I'm like, okay. I it guess. looks like the arti- artist like variants on the costume that he didn't go with. That's really like, just like, and these were the other ideas. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, feel, it kind of felt to me because I really spent a lot of time on that page just thinking about those choices, and it felt to mm-hmm. me like the thing that. They were evolving as powers, but there's also kind of this meta narrative of they're advancing so much quicker than, or more quickly than than comic books, you know, are advancing. Like, you know, yeah. all of the history of X Men is like one gen for them because that's mm-hmm. how many years they have in, in terms yeah. of our real world. So I kind of I felt like the costumes should have changed more. Like one of them should have been more pushed because the first one, even with Serafina, I mean, she's in a very Marvel Girl kind of costume, right? She's in yeah. this green miniskirt, whatever. And, and oh no, you, that's not Serafina. Oh, oh, that's oh no, then, whoever, whatever her name is the the green one one. yeah Yeah. uh and then you know and then when you look at the bottom it does kind of look like Stuart Eminem's version of the Jean Grey uniform and it kind of reflects the the (laughs) modern uniform but if that's Mm. the third generation I actually wanted to see it like I wanted to see the second one kind of look like that and the third one get pushed farther to show that they've they're already at risk of getting behind the X-Men but anyway I mean you see Darwin Darwin changed more a lot more right uh, in yeah. those in that in that short period of time oh well maybe not short but in the but same I, but period but I do think there's a little bit of a, co- a, co- a comment on comic periods where like the middle mm-hmm. one is kind of like the 90s like the Got guy it. has the streamlined you know single visor the grey guy turned black the ghost rider <laughs> looks very like the ghost rider from the 90s so I, I do think there's a comment there so before we go into phase 3 the, the thing that really stuck out for me here and many of you have teased at it is that if this is Sinks after action report, don't you think a Cyclops would care about why the team broke up? It seems like a really big missing detail. If, mm-hmm. if it was just to have them evade detection, they don't actually think that they're being detected anymore. And um, and why would you say fracture, right? Fracture is not a word for like a willing going of separate ways. So it definitely mm-hmm. feels like there's something that's like a little bit darker there that Sink is choosing not to disclose. And he's the only one who knows now because the yeah. other two don't have their memories backed up from inside yeah. unless they, he's the only one. So he's like, this one. is what makes me a little suspicious. And I won't say that I thought that there was a darkness necessarily to the relationship we're about to get with him and Laura, but clearly there is a missing piece and Hickman does not do this stuff by accident. I -hmm. think at some point it's going to be relevant, even if it's just a little piece of relevancy, because why would, why would you not say anything sink? So, okay. Now what goes on is they assault the city because they realize they can't get through the shield. So maybe they're assaulting the city to try to break the shield or because they know so much about what's going on in the city. But, you know, in retrospect, it was obvious that they were ready for them and that they were after Darwin because they had understood his DNA. So now starts the third phase, which is isolation. So Darwin is captured. Wolverine is captured and Sink is unable to rescue his friends, which means he doesn't have access to their powers anymore, which is a problem for him because he's going to start getting older. And so he steals some powers from some children that are around, including an earth-moving power, and he realizes, classic villain mistake, that the time bubble does not go (laughs) underground. And so he somehow gets underground to exit the bubble and just hunkers down for a week to come back in, at which point over 100 years have passed. And then he is able to free Wolverine. And this is when they go on and endure because they have to still figure out how to figure out what's going on with Darwin before they make their escape, which I would call phase four, the extraction. So what do you all have to say? We'll start with Furia this time, just so she can be first. Um, What do you have to say about this isolation period where Sink has to be by himself for so long and then Sink and Wolverine endure? 
I mean, I just want to know that how frustrated he must be. Like, we could have done this the whole time. Like, we could have gone out the whole time. <laughs> like, isn't that, like, that's one of the, like, ah, like, moment. Um, I mean, it's, I, this, I think this is a lot of the things, like, I wish, like, some of this information that we were getting, instead of getting them in, like, chunks, like, this timeline, we actually saw them in, um, like, in images. Like, you know, I think it, it would have, probably brought a little bit more like I feel like it there was not you know it wasn't enough that like to show the time pass I was like okay as you're reading through them I'm like okay I guess like you know time flew mm-hmm. but you know it that the isolation part of it didn't grab me as much because it was like him looking at through a glass then we come back and him looking through another glass but with wider beard and you're like yeah it could have <laughs> used a page it could have used yeah. a page to really show yeah, sure, instead yeah. of actually, instead of getting that part just through text, I it would have probably made more, um, more emotional a beat that knowing that without them, he is actually in a worse off shape. Harry? Well, I already gave my fa- phase three thoughts <laughs> thinking it was phase two, uh, so I'm a little embarrassed. But no, I think the design of the phase three uh, data page is actually really neat when you have like the gray pullout when he somehow finds a way like through. I just think it's it's designed in a, in a really cool way. And um, I, I agree with Freeha. I do think it's kind of the, like the flattest uh, visually is the segment of um, him just kind of hanging out, getting old in a box. But um, mm-hmm. it didn't like take me away that much. Um, yeah, I was just like fully invested at this point i was like gripped i was definitely in like page turning mode at this point where yeah. i was like oh, and that, and that. like I, I was i was in that edge of my seat catching my breath tense full body tense kind of at this point so i don't think i noticed yeah. this stuff as much in my first read tyler I, no i mean the the gray part is basically the part where he's outside the temporal bubble yeah. right so he's out he of sync have, to the time yeah, passage in it's awesome yeah yeah. So so he's like okay, a hundred years have passed inside the vault, and I don't know what happened. But you know, I I'm it's just gonna collapse like um, like the way uh Hickman collapsed uh Moira's life uh six and nine, life nine mm-hmm. where he just shortened it and then just jump. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I mean I agree with the with the with the fact with the fact that you know it he doesn't seem that old, but then for him it's just a week, not a hundred years. So, and then later on, it does show him like a little bit burnt by, um, because he doesn't have the healing powers. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it is a little bit boring, but I think it is meant to show that time did not, it's not that long for him. It, it kind of stood still for him, even though inside the vault, a hundred years have passed. Yeah. Right. And yeah, time but- keeps passing after he gets back with Wolverine. Yeah, but really not that long past until he gets back with Wolverine because he's he would die if he left too long. Yeah, yeah, correct. So basically, I think you know he 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 got out of the bubble, but he's still inside the vault. Hmm. So um, it's just that you know he 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 just doesn't have the the he doesn't well he doesn't die basically because he doesn't have the healing power. He doesn't have the adapt uh, adaptability power of Darwin and Wolverine. So. so I think a thing that's kind of unsaid here is that Wolverine surely must have some intel after she escapes, even though she wasn't being kept with Darwin. When we know that because it says Darwin cannot be located. So mm-hmm. I think, again, there's a little bit of an obfuscation here. Um, clearly, something has happened to Laura in this century. They didn't just have her in a room not feeding her. I'm sure they were doing something. And afterwards, she has this like 
pink glowing psionic looking mask and at first i just thought it was a trick of the light in one panel but she actually has it multiple times through the end of the issue and it's just never remarked upon so something something's happened something's different that we that we don't have a full explanation of but they capture Um, sarah so go ahead freya no no i was just gonna say though it it was actually really disappointing though because she was this this was her life being in captivity like her whole life was being in captivity and then she was back in being in captivity and now for a century like that that really made me sad sucks yeah. <laughs> but now I, we go to phase four because they capture Serafina briefly and they copy her powers, which gives them full knowledge of the city. And they realize how critical their mistake is in this phase four, which I call the extraction yeah. phase, because the children are using Darwin to fuel their phase, their um, iteration, generation number four expansion. Yeah. Basically, they had projected they needed to get to level three in order to get rid of mutants, but then they popped out at level three, saw that Krakoa was a thing, and went, oh shit, they had not evolved enough, and and that they and they had no way, they had no technology, they had no fuel to evolve past that, so they were stuck. They're in these, like, two-day iterations, but they weren't making a step change, right? But Until... Darwin, and the ability to have Darwin let them make step change, and sync in leaving them alone with Darwin, Darwin for a week of his time, a century of their time, basically lets them crack how they're going to get to four, which makes it critical that the X-Men escape. But here is something that is kind of remarked upon, but not fully remarked upon. They have to make sure that they don't have any remaining access to Darwin not only because they want to make sure that he's not going to continue to be used, but because they want him to be able to be resurrected when they get out. They can't leave a Darwin inside. And one of these lines is, Subject Darwin, final atomization and biomass seeding completed. Basically, they learn that the Children of the Vault have broken down Darwin and seeded his biomass across all of the Children of the Vault to get Mm -hmm. to this level for evolution. That's why they know it's time to get out of here, because they need to let the X-Men know and there's no more Darwin to save. Yeah. Uh, so before I turn into you, I'll say one last thing. This Darwin moment, uh, very Hickman, reminds me of a certain other Hickman person who's used as a fuel for a thing, but I'll leave it to see if anybody around the panel wants to discuss that without stealing your thunder. Uh, Fariha, thoughts on this final extraction, which ends, by the way, with this suicide mission for Wolverine so that Darwin can be the one to get out, or I mean, Sink can be the one to get out because Sink, useless in a fight without anybody standing around. So Fariha, what did you think about bringing it all home here with extraction? Right. So the thing is, I think like there was like a meta commentary in there too, is like now that at Krakoa happened, all you writer, listen up, you cannot go back to it because yeah. <laughs> we kept on talking about it. It's like the X-Men evolving and you have to adjust your thinking to that. You cannot keep on writing that, oh, the Cerebro doesn't know anything. Stop that. Stop that. You know who you are. Stop doing that. Because (laughs) you have gone way past that so that old things doesn't make any sense. So I think that's, uh, like, to me, I was kind of looking at it from that point of view. Like, oh, this is like, there's like a meta commentary. Maybe there isn't. But I was having a lot of fun with it. But the thing is, it also shows that Krakoa is dangerous. Krakoa, like, the mutants reuniting in Krakoa is actually going to work for them. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But... 
And then the children of the vault also kind of notice that. Um, and then the very last thing, though, it's like, uh, are we talking about the very after? Sure, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I mean the the whole thing about what it meant what love means, what relationship means. Like, you know, they were in such a situation where it's like the human words don't mean anything for them. Like, you know, it was like way before that. And also the fact that we kept on talking about like if Phoebe wasn't there to transfer all the information to, to what's Cute. his name, to Quentin, um, yeah. their love wouldn't grow. And the same thing happened here. It's like there was no way to transfer the information. So one of them is have all this information or have all these feelings while the other doesn't have anything to connect to which is also very winter soldier and black widow thing and it's it just repeated itself over over here and it's it's very sad it's and knowing what laura has gone through and how she, difficult it is for her to make human connection it's even sadder when you think about it from that point of view it's like she had all of this and now she will never know hmm. harry yeah i, th I think what really just blows me away with this issue is how it concludes both keeping this issue's feeling of, of dread and moodiness with what happens to Darwin and just the re realization that, you know, this, this threat they were so scared of is something they kind of brought about by even getting on this mission in the first place, which kind of keeps yeah. it kind of scary that, that that's great. But then, yeah, just, I think the final thing here of, you know, Darwin, uh, sink reaching a point where he, you know, comes to the conclusion that you know it's living for someone not dying for someone is what love is you know that is just such like a great encapsulation of what this era is doing with krakoa and endless life and what have you and this kind of positivity and a focus on on more wins and what have you where you're you're right free where, where it is sad but at the same time there is something kind of beautiful and uplifting to the final page where he's still smiling and that 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 feeling of hope is still there, even through all of this hardship they just went through. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a major sucker for kind of like uh, bubble time stories where someone goes through so much stuff and kind of can't even express it to anyone else, you know, like, like the Doctor Who or, or uh, Edge of Tomorrow even. Um, and I just think this is another really good example of it. Um, I just, I think it's just like a book that balances plot and thematic like resonance so well. Tyler? I mean, there's there's so much that I kind of want to talk about here. Go um, ahead. Got I mean, the, the floor. Do it, man. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is this. The thing is this. Um. Uh, this is this is the classic case of like. Um. I mean, not really classic, classic, but you know, this is a kind of like the time paradox thing, because you were so afraid of something happening, you want to stop it, and yeah. by trying to stop it, you actually made it happen. So. So th this is like, you know, um, I, I mean, this is really used. I mean, it's used really well here. And the thing is this, this will propel Krakoa into the next stage, I think. Because now Krakoa knows that the fourth gen of the children of the vaults are coming. Yeah. And, and how ironic it is that the children has to use mutant gene to lip frog them from third to fourth. I mean, they are like, oh no, we are we are much better than mutant. I was like, uh, uh, no, <laughs> you do need the mutant. Yeah, not anymore. So, so I feel like um we are either going to see a whole lot more mutant machines, or we are going to start to see um you know chimeras coming in into play here, and then 
the other thing I kind of want to think about, want to talk about is that, um, you know, um, um, comment about is that Moira knows that just depending on evolution will not work mm -hmm. because that is too slow. In life six, that's what the post-human told Moira. Say, you guys think that, you know, just by adapting to the environment, you are one step ahead. But no, you know, we can do so much better. We live frog over your evolution by, by having the sentinels and then the nimrods, which delay the time for you. And then for the children of the vault, they don't even need to delay the time because they're in the vault, which is accelerated time. They're creating so, time debt for everyone yeah. else. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's the thing. So for them, it's like, so I think this, this whole thing plays into such a, the, the, the larger theme of like Hickman and, and, and that is really one of the reasons why I, I, I love this issue so much because of all these thematic things that he, that you really don't need to know if you have not read Hotspots for some reason. Um, what? I mean, this, this issue. Why are you reading this? Who's going to find you? Without reading Hawksbox, where are you here? <laughs> yeah. no, but, but even without reading Hawksbox, right? Um, you can frame this as a kind of a love story, um, you know, between Sink and Laura inside, uh, you know, an extended period of time. I mean, as an unnaturally extended period of time. Um, uh, I mean, um, Harry mentioned about uh, Doctor Who and things like that. I actually thought about uh, one episode of The Magician. Uh, which is um, I think season three episode five. Um, the 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 name the title of the episode is Alive in the Day. Alive in the Day. So mm -hmm. it's just a flip of the word. But if you have not seen it, I'm not gonna spoil it. I I, I mean I get a lot of feels from that episode, and it sort of transfer a little bit over here. And I mean the very last page, of course, that is like oh my god, yeah. so much feelings. <laughs> but the thing also is that um, Sink now realizes that um, he... Okay, in, in the first... In, I think, issue five, um, he went from... He, he was, like, behind his cohorts because he died and right. the world moved on. And then now, he's being reborn, but he has several lifetimes ahead of his cohort. So, so he has... He, he changes his position... But he still kind of is in the same position, except that in his mind now, he has come to terms with it. It's like, and, and the very last bit, of course, is that how do you love someone when you cannot die? Because the mutants cannot die now. So you just live for them. I think um, I thought that was like so, um, so succinct and so, you know, it's so well written. Um, I mean, there's this. I don't know. I mean, that that this last act is the one that propelled this from, say, a, a, a 4 to a 4.9. You're getting me emotional, Tyler. <laughs> so so one, thi one thing I think, like, a, like from Tyler's point of view, I think, because I kept on saying death is not the worst thing that can happen to someone. It really isn't. And this is a proof of that. Like, it doesn't matter that you can... You have conquered death. It really doesn't matter. You will love someone for hundreds of years and they will forget. Mm -hmm. And you will have to live with that memory. Like nothing is, I don't think any, there's anything worse than that. Like, you know, that not, like 
that I think is like far like repercussion of that is like yeah. farther like you know on someone even though he's smiling I don't know why yeah. but the thing <laughs> why is he smiling at the, end well, of the person you know? he loves the person yeah, he the loves is there it's nice no, I know like, but, the, but the thing is so I think like it's morally it's like okay I, mm-hmm. I knew the first go around what to get yeah. her how to yeah. get get into her get into her uh, heart so yeah. <laughs> I know I have to do it again no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's, I think it's like um, she's back and it's the I same have person. Back. Yeah. I have time. Right. It I have time. I don't on think my it matters if they fall in love with each other or not. I think it's enough yeah. that yeah. she got revived, and she's still yeah. the same moment. person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so one question I do have though is like, how is is Laura the other Laura truly dead? Because how, yeah. how do you kill a Wolverine? Well, she had no powers. She doesn't have a powers because they went through the uh, shield first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is probably the only. Yeah, the old, the probably they the could only have way kept to... her alive. We don't know. I mean, it's one yeah. of these themes of right. the, the Krakoan age, right? It's one of these yeah. themes that maybe she is still alive. They don't really have mm-hmm. proof, but this is kind of an X Force caliber mission, so yeah. they got approval to revive her, well, even it's... though there's no proof of death. And it's interesting where this is kind of dealing with the same stuff that X Force is doing a little bit with Quentin and Phoebe. But I gotta be honest, I th- just with kind of like relationships and possibly memories being lost and what have you, I think this kind of does it far better. Um, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect from a Hickman book in terms of emotion. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be the fourth generation of writer. Can't, can't give this, ex, can't give these ideas to a third generation oh, writer. Yeah. Like Harry, the, I yeah. mean, you being the um, the other, I mean, or the resident who fan here. This yeah. issue actually reminds me of the spoon, the Doctor Trout spoon episode. Oh man, you're right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Right? I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> no, no, I know yeah, because like, I'm trying. Uh-huh. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to spoil it for anyone. That's why. That's why I just want to have reference well, a little bit. Also, hell bent and heaven sent, but we can, we can talk about that off. Mike. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Viewers, Join let us know if you want if you want Tyler and Harry's who who chat. Yeah, oh. Tyler and Harry chat who, chat who? Let us know because we got we have the power to make that happen. Uh, okay, Ten hour so- discussions. So look, wow, you, I, I kind of need to start taking notes during the show because you all said so many things that I want to dig into and I, and I can't possibly because you all said so much great stuff. I'll just try to pick out a few little things. First of all, I think the whole Dar- Darwin being subsumed and, and turning into the fuel for everybody for me was very, the human torch becomes the sun from uh, Secret Wars. It's a very, oh, even visually, yeah. it, lo- it looked yeah, yeah. a lot like that. So I was waiting yeah. to see if somebody chimed in with that. Uh, the other thing, oh gosh, there's so much. I, I wanna, I'm staring at the last page here because I had it up while you were all talking about the last page. And there's really something in the way that he's looking at her and she catches him looking at her. Mm-hmm. On a surface level, it's very like, oh, now he's just going to be like her, you know, like insult stalker guy who, who's like, love me, Laura, <laughs> love me. But I think there's another layer to that, which I think we all got to, but I want to make it explicit. It's in the way he told the story about his dad. It's, um, he, I'm trying to find it in specific here. And the way mm-hmm. he tells the story is that he's looking, I remember my dad catching me looking at him as he was looking at her, his mother. And I remember what he said, son, most people don't know how to explain it, but I surely do. So listen closely. And then he talks about the difference between caring for somebody and loving for them. But it's expressed in terms of this moment of somebody kind of catching you looking. And that's what that last page really was for me. It was making literal sink in that moment as an adult being caught looking at this person that he loves 
we as the reader are Sink in that moment. Sink caught his dad looking at his mom. We yeah. caught Sink looking at Wolverine. And Sink turns and delivers oh. his version of the monologue to us. That's why it looks like that. It's not any, I mean, maybe they'll still fall in love. That's not the point. The point is this is an amazing comic book issue and Hickman and Azrar pull off an amazing rhetorical device here because they've flipped the direction of the conversation that Sink is recalling. Mm-hmm. Where where has Hickman been the last like eighteen <laughs> issues? I'm serious. Writing this, he, he writing can almost do crying. this. I'm having one of my moments. I'm like, I have makeup on. It's... We can't cry right now. No, no, this, this is thing. All, he was, he's he always was, had this. He Where's was writing this. Writing this. Well, no, it's, it's not just it's not just where has this Hickman been, right? It's like where has this Hickman been since Fantastic Four? Yeah, because it's. This because feels like that, Fantastic Four issue, yes. Because Fantastic Sorry, yeah. Four, he wrote a lot of touching issues. He uh-huh. has characterization there. And then oh. in Avengers, it was all being abandoned just for the epicness of his story. You did not follow You did not yeah, follow T'Challa and Namor the way I followed. Yeah, you did saying. not read those. The no, no, I agree. I want to tie this to a few things, though. So first of all, yeah. it has to do with how you write for an artist, right? And at first, he was writing for you, and you is not an artist that does these beats well. You mm. does really big, wide pages, frozen moments in action. Aswar, for as much as I love to dunk on him, he does that, but he can also pull in and do this Lara's level kind of stuff. Maybe not to the extent that Lara's is, but everybody gets to, to grow. Nobody's born mm. Pepe Lara's, not even Lara's. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, the question I had when I finished this is, did Hickman script this knowing he had Azrar? Because I don't think the 18 was written knowing that he was going to have Azra draw it. It felt like a U script. If you go back and look at how we talk about it, we're mm. like, at least me, I'm complaining about all these pages that have one panel or two panels, which is not how Azra usually draws. This feels much more custom to Azra, or maybe even thinking we're going to have somebody like Laura's rather than assuming that it's going to be a U. And I, you know, we'll never know really unless we get to ask yeah. Hickman or editor, but I just feel like it played much more to Azra's strengths. And now going to something that Faria said, the, I think, Freya, I totally buy that thing you were talking about, that this is Hickman being like, we're on a new playing field, y'all. This is level four. Not only to all of the other writers who want to come and play in the X sandbox who maybe, like, don't get it, but almost, like, to himself. Like, he did the Fantastic Four thing that was, like, the time stuff was almost too complicated and the emotional beat was really what worked. He did mm-hmm. the Avengers thing, which was just the, the big muscly team saving the world and it didn't have an emotional beat. Then he went off and did all this indie stuff. Like this is Hickman version four, whether you want to say indie Hickman came first before Fantastic Four, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of commentary here, whether he intends it or not, about how we level up and once we level up and go through that true step change, not a two month cycle on and off, but that real evolution that we become unrecognizable to our past selves. And that's true about the whole X-Men line. Faria has been reading a lot of um, X-Men from 2010 and Ugh. it's like I love those stories but seeing it through Freya's eyes now in the modern day I would I I will I will have to quit if we go back to stories like that we have to go forward yeah. and I think that that is this whole story so my final I... comment and then you guys can respond or whatever is that talking about like where was the Hickman or whatever you have to read Hawksbox guess what if somebody hadn't read Hawksbox and now we're like two years past that we're about to be two whole years there's over 100 issues I would actually hand them X-Men 18 and 19 and be like if you like what's happening here especially for older fans who love Mm. Laura who like wow Sync is back or like I love Darwin and Pad's X-Factor I would just hand somebody these two issues and be like if you get this if this rings for you you will like this whole era this is the whole thing in a tiny little compressed bullion cube of of story 
it's remarkable okay. in that way. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's like there's so much of like the current themes and emotion and heart in these two issues. It's just it's pretty wild how much stuff is in here thematically. Mm-hmm. It I, <laughs> No, no. I, I only thing I want to say that if I didn't know Hawksbuck existed, there was no way in hell I would have been able to read all of those X Men. <laughs> like I've been reading X Men from yeah. starting from New X Men, Astonishing uh, Astonish X Men, then going through House of House of M. For, I'm now I have read past second coming now if i didn't know hawksbox existed nah i wouldn't be able to i'm like no because i and i said it in the chat i'm like this is misery porn written by white people to show what good uh, minority should be mm. and like you know telling you that this is what like you should always suffer you should always suffer you should always give like accept what we give you and you should always be cornered and do nothing with your power it's unbelievably nonsensical and very insensitive thing to say and so i'm glad for like hey, hawksbog like i'm you're, glad for this era you're articulating no, but, a lot of things i didn't like about that time period yeah. for you i never I mean, put you, it that way but that makes a lot of sense you have also read the beginning of claremont right and oh. at that stage it doesn't have this feeling there is no there's no there is no oppression of X-Men in that sense, right? right. They're just not well-known. They're right. just like, you know... I mean, yeah, they, they are hated by this stupid Irish uh, fisherman. Because <laughs> yeah. they had yeah. to take... Order. But you know, but the rest of the people, like, I mean, the rest of people in, in Canada is just like, oh, who is this? Who are these people? Who, right. who is this tall lady who destroyed my <laughs> boutique because she... <laughs> Even if you don't want to look at it from that point of view of like, okay, minority rising and all that. Okay, fine. You don't want to look at it from that. Do you really want these people as your neighbor? Like, (laughs) look at how much destruction they bring everywhere they go. Like, you know, do you want them as your neighbor? Like, think think about it from that point of view too. (laughs) I think it also connects to another thing that Freya has brought up in recent Mm -hmm. discussions, which is this idea of the commodification of suffering. And Mm -hmm. Freya mentioned it in terms of the commodification of women's suffering and how women are put on the page to suffer by authors of all genders because like that's part that's like an an economy to us how much suffering can we digest oh it's great this she she had to go through so much like why do women always have to have those stories but why it's but it's kind of you're telling the same story right now about like the x-men as this model minority as this metaphorical minority why is everything all about the commodification of their suffering the closest we've ever gotten to commodifying their joy is parts of the grant morrison run where he actually realizes that the or they actually realize that mutants have a culture right and like that's, that's the thing that hickman right. is really latched into so the final thing i'll say here because this has been a long discussion though warranted guess what y'all if every issue had this much stuff in it we would talk this long about every issue and, and that's what you would get um <laughs> because if you remember back to hawks pox that those were two hours long for every <laughs> single issue and we have no regrets uh and yeah. and it's packed with with analysis plus we had zach there too which lends takes you to a whole different level of <laughs> evolution um so to finally wrap this up I think that's why I zeroed in so much on time debt inversion. And I think I got so much from our discussion. I understand it so better. The whole issue is about time debt inversion. To to Tyler's closing point, Sink has now inverted his own time debt. They've inverted their time debt with the Children of the Vault. Um, there's all of this. There's all of this playing with who was owed time, who had a surplus of time, and how that balance has been flipped. That's the whole point of this issue. Now we understand what time debt inversion meant. Uh, yeah, 
I I hope <laughs> these issues are like this going forward. You know, after the last yeah. eighteen, you know, like if he can keep on this level of quality, I think we're in for something special. And I, I think okay. Azar could be a big part of that. Get some more emotion into this book because mm-hmm. used not as good as that. Well, and not, time... let's not have it Scott Summers ever. <laughs> the last time, <laughs> I mean, the, the the last time we had a couple of issues in a row, which is really great, was the the UN issue. And I mean, issue five was the enter the vault, and then issue six was mistake. Issue seven was the um, the crucible. So so we 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 I think we are due for a good run going up to uh, planet size X Men. Yeah, I mean, you oh know, wait, it, planet it, size it, is Dugan. Sorry. Yeah. It, so, it, if uh, you like those Gala. issues, that was a good run. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> but the, <laughs> yes. the thing I would say too is that it kind of shows that like we we've done enough of this world building stuff, like enough of the dust dungeon master guide. We're hungry. We're ready That's... for ramifications. If he yeah. can pay off each one of those individual setup issues with a yeah. two issue bang the way that this was and we pay off horticulture and we pay off the UN and we pay off I mean the whole way of X mm. series is going to pay off the crucible yeah. then it will have all been worth it okay we that, yeah. that, that I think we've reached the end so. yeah <laughs> no there's there's no way you can pay off the garden grannies even though so, I want to be like those garden grannies when I grow up like when I become old I still can't stand them understandable that's my future guys all right for x-men legends number two uh i don't think we need to like dissect this piece by piece i think we're gonna go two (laughs) rounds we're gonna go a lightning round of reactions and then we're gonna go a round of what do we think this means for the x-men now that this has been canonized so tyler lightning round reaction (laughs) For, for issue one this is what i said it is a very nostalgic trip back to the 90s Nisizo did not appear to have missed a beat. And this really brought me back to when I was reading them month to month. The art is straight from that era. It just feels right for the 90s. 2.75 summers out of 5. And it is the same for this issue. <laughs> <Just> copy, paste. <laughs> copy, paste. <laughs> Harry, you didn't even read this issue. You know, I found out literally just now this was drawn by Brett Booth and like all of my <laughs> indecision has been like, no, I'm good. I, I'm just going to soak this all in. Yeah. Um, sounds like some nonsense. <laughs> Excellent. I'm just hanging out. I don't know. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's just, down, he's just here to vibe. He's just here. Yeah, yeah. he's here to vibe out. <laughs> all right. At- Adam X sounds like an erectile dysfunction pill, but let's keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> also remember we got we so okay so the thing is when x-men legend one came about i'm like ugh, who cares who are these people i don't know any of them i don't care about mm. any of them you know fine whatever but since then it's been a month and i read disgusting amount of x-men between these two times so now not only i know all of them i understood summer's family tree perfectly without even any hesitation i knew exactly who people those are where they came from, I knew it all. So from that point of view, I was kind of excited. I was also excited to see Eric the Red because you guys forced me to read Claremont's X-Men. <laughs> then there was also the uh, inception of like, you know, someone's watching something, then another person's watching them to watch them something. The, all of that, that made brought a lot of joy to me. But ultimately, who cares? Because the issue didn't have, like they told uh, give us a re- mm. like you know a piece of information but the mm. problem is everyone else forgot that information within the story so the whole point is one big who cares 
I believe Harry, who did not read the issue, referred to it as some nonsense. And that might be my review of it, too. This was, I mean, this was bad. It was real bad. <laughs> I, I think the art was okay. There are a couple of pages that I liked. The, the full page of Lalandra was particularly cool. But um, this, Nesizia, who's usually really reliable, just whiffed on this. There are so many terrible lines, so many bad setups. And he's talked about how this was four issues originally that he was going to do as an arc, and he compressed it down to two, but the first one was double length, so really it kind of was like almost like three, and he had to cut an issue worth. But nothing even happens here. What 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 is even the point of this? They argue a bunch with Corsair, who's trying to kidnap Adam X. It turns out that Adam X keeps his brain in his ass. Why did we need that detail? I don't think we actually did. What? And and then they're just and then they're just like so we're gonna go trade him and there's just nothing nothing happens I'm so Not, angry and it's so many bad lines and it just keeps playing this like oh I guess we're gonna hug now joke over and over again and then they forget everything it's so it's, much more interesting it feels like the editors were just like I don't know find a way that we don't have to deal with it it would have been so much more interesting yeah. if one of them remembered and we had to square right. what it square that this whole time it just I just think it was a wreck I would rather have not had this I think this is everything that I kind of assumed was probably true about Adam mm -hmm. X and like this just gave it to me in in the worst possible way. Be careful when you wish for things, fans, because creators might come back and just do it in a way that is worse than you hoped you would get it. That is my message about this. Issue. So, this is a '90s thing. Yeah, with the right. <laughs> it is, is a, 90, a 90s thing. Okay. Right. And one, well, one, well, one well, thing there we got so wrong many last muscles, time. You Before guys. I turn it back over to Tyler, the one thing we got wrong last time, not wrong, but we omitted, is that it wasn't just directly after X Men 39. Nasia had also written a, a little bit of Captain Marvel that had also featured Adam X, and it's after that because he was referring to characters mm. that were in that. And, and folks yeah. on YouTube pointed that, and we we're very thankful. All right, Tyler. God. No, I mean, someone did remember Sinister. Right. Well, he probably, he knew to begin with. They, they didn't even, yeah. I mean, we did get an editorial box referring to my favorite Mr. Sinister issue of all time, which was delightful yeah. for me. But So who is the one that's watching Sinister here? Magneto! With the bracelet? It kind of looks like Eric the Red again, but it wouldn't be. What? Right? But it wouldn't Wait, be. what? Why would he be looking at it again? But no, it's Magneto, no, guys. He has it's... gloves. He has yeah, gloves. He just has cuffs. Who has a yeah. cuff like that? Isn't it red and purple? It's it's like it looks like Magneto's. Even no, though Magneto, like, has, Magneto has sleeves though. He doesn't. This yeah. guy has a bare arm. What well, looks like a bare arm, and then a cuff, and then a, and then a hand at the at yeah. the end. Oh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> arcade, maybe I don't know. Mastermind. Arcade. Throw, throw any name. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, matter. but I think the 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 other thing that modernized this issue is the data page. It has the data page. Surprisingly, That's which they got wrong. Say. Well, I mean, it, it, it has some errors. It's as kind as I can possibly refer to it. Um, so a couple of things I did wanted to mention, though, is like I felt secondhand embarrassment because how Alex was reacting to a lot of these things. It's like I was like really uh, like, you know, and then the second thing is like the whole this, the, this whole commentary is like, oh, he has more of deacon or however you say that i kept on wanting to say duckin then your mother so i don't trust him it's like oh god like ah like really really do we still have to do those kind of weird nonsensical thing like it just like no um and then the third thing is like he's adam x because he's the first of the 
the thing and all that. But he's also created by the Shearer. How did they know about Christian bibliography of the earth? They despise earth. They don't they don't care. They think we're we're like the lowest of the lowest. So why would they even do that? So I'm like, ugh, it's it doesn't make sense. And then the last thing, which actually made did make me laugh, but I'm like, this is like a most Alex thing rather than more Scott thing. It's like it's like, oh I wanted to shake your hand, but instead I hugged you. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like oh so yeah all of those things happened (laughs) to expand on that point for just a moment so there's now four summers boys cyclops and alex and canonically uh catherine summers was pregnant at some point during their brief captivity Mm -hmm. before corsair is sentenced to slavery and she's killed and they uh so vulcan is maybe never even like born born so much as harvested and they incubate vulcan and then, but he does not have any Shi'ar DNA. He's still yeah. straight up the child of Christopher Summers Corsair and Catherine Summers, as opposed to Adam X, who is specifically the genetic material from Catherine Summers combined with Dickens' genetic material to create this genetically engineered. So he's a he's a half brother at best. He mm-hmm. he's kind of I mean he's not like a clone, but he's not a progeny. He's a chimera, really. He he's an mm. artificial creation with two different sets so, of genes yeah. to try yeah. to produce something. I and I mean, th- th- think the only way that this kind of maybe th- made me think of like okay maybe the current editors are kind of paying attention is that combined with his whole monologue where he's like I could set a whole world on fire I could make the blood Why? burn of Why? billions of people you know and it's and the fact that he is a chimera and that is something and that sinister is observing him and somebody else is observing sinister does make me think like they're not printing this for nothing like they a Mm. thought they would make money but b there was some advantage to them pulling out this story and having this happen right so like is this going to feed into some use of adam x or some use of chimeras or something that sinister reveals maybe because it does kind of illustrate the plot point about creating a more powerful mutant by selectively you know um combining genetic materials which mora does too in creating proteus and legion you know by 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 sending xavier to go sleep with gabriella so that that was the other thing that i took from it so one more round did you take anything else from it tyler i mean the other thing the other i mean it's not really taking anything from this it's just a question it's like so adam max is out somewhere being a farmer right now well not yes. right now he's i mean he's uh, free just read him he's been in that era that free has been reading in the 500 era he pops in once or twice oh but he did at I this forgot. point at this point he was a farmer it kind of like ah. it's, he, it's where he's been in the interim before but i i, I can't back. say whether he went back or not i can't <laughs> <laughs> speak to that he probably have gone back well um, now he's in mojo world Oh, yeah, now he's in Mojo right. World. That's right. That's I right. forgot. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you did read that. Yeah, he he's trending. He's trending. He's it's the one who. Yeah, he's I the one who. I can't shot. tell if I'm on drugs and y'all aren't, or you're all on drugs and I'm not. <laughs> it's the other way. That second one. Second one. Um, I do. Yeah. I do remember Mojo World. I do know that. Yeah. So the thing is, I think like everything that Peter said tracks and I, mm. I hope that it kind of brings like and all of that comes together somehow because we had to suffer through this. But the other question is, why even do it this way? Why not just do it in whatever story you were going to tell and you're going to bring him in? Just explain it there. I mean, why? Yeah, even... I, I'm not convinced that we like got Don't, anything no, I mean, put a, good put a from whole, this, right? Put a whole issue of at that time, you're still going to earn money. Like put a whole issue at that time. 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, and have Nisisa write it. Why not? Like, you know, but the thing is, <laughs> why even do it this, this whole backtrack way? It feels, I'm like, no, that's not, that's not creativity. That's like, you know, oh, I wrote some, like, you know, some information, like some test answers wrong. So I'm going to go to the TA and have him help me correct it. You know, I'm not talking from experience. I heard this can be done. I can speak mm. from experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that has been it for our discussion of the two X-Men comic books of the week. I did not get through very many polls this week. I've been busy with uh, a lot of new YouTube programming, which some of you mm-hmm. may have noticed. But I have heard through the comic book grapevine that good old horticulture does show up in Avengers Curse of the Man-Thing by Steve Orlando. So perhaps I will get a chance or Tyler will get a chance to read that before next week and we can tell you mm-hmm. a little about it about it next week tyler any other x appearances of note that you've caught so far this week i mean i did not have a chance to read it i was planning to read uh kinking black valkyrie because mm. danny should danny. be in that issue mm. but um but yeah i was so busy I, I did not get a chance to read anything else except these two issues all right well folks there's absolutely guaranteed some x-men nonsense in those two issues so we'll read them before next week and report back in our next episode until then thank you so much for being a part of this discussion that x-men 19 discussion like that it's just what i want that's that's yeah that was the joy that we all found with each other talking about x-men um and we know that it's possible not everybody can deliver on that level every week but i think some of the books deliver on that level x-factor i mean every episode turns out to be about x-factor right that's our (laughs) thing x-factor delivers on that level uh and and the reason we love that is because then we get together and and get together and talk about it because why Faria? x-men is better when it's read together that is right and this, <laughs> so for myself, for Harry, for Faria, and for Tyler, thank you so much for being a part of that together with us this week on This Week in X. And we will be back again next week to talk about even more X-Men issues here on This Week in X presented by Crushing Comics. Until then, be well. Bye. One Bye. more week, one more week closer to the gala.